Welcome into another episode of the News for Jags podcast. Jamal Saints here alongside Justin Barney. Justin, uh, Jaguars had their first loss of the season. Yeah, two games and uh, two games in, we're sitting at one and one. And I think for the loss to the Chiefs, disappointment from that game. Your defense played absolutely phenomenal. Your offense lays an egg. That's a good word. Disappointment is definitely a good word. I think the phrase that I keep saying is describe the feeling is it's just week two. Right. I mean, I, and the one thing that I, I also keep coming back to is Doug Peterson would say it's just week two, whether they won that game yeah. or they lost that game. That's just how he is. So I think he does actually believe that it is a long NFL season. Mm-hmm. It is just week two. So Jaguars have one win and one loss to their names. It's not the end of the world. Take the hand away from the panic button. Everything is okay. Um, all right, let's talk about some of the things that went wrong for the Jaguars in this game. Uh, pretty much starting into with the offense, right? Yeah, offense. <laughs> awful, just awful offense. Yeah. Offensive line struggled. Um, Anton Harrison, I mean, you're going up against an all-pro in Chris Jones. He's teaching you lessons. Yeah. But a little surprising to me that Anton was, was bullied that much from a guy who missed all training camp. Yep. Had not, I mean, practiced, but maybe three days leading up to this game, and uh, Chris Jones was the game changer in that game. And I think yeah. the offensive line, that's been something that, obviously, it's been a first-round draft pick on. Right. And made big additions last year. Brandon Sheriff signing him to a big deal. Um, and you just aren't that good. You regressed at that unit. Now, take that with a grain of salt, because Cam Robinson, arguably the team's best offensive lineman, will be back after week four. But, again... If there's a weakness that's been shown, PFF, they were not a high-graded team last year on the offensive line. You take Juwan Taylor out, who, by the way, had a terrible game against Jacksonville um, on Sunday against the Chiefs. Chiefs signed him to an $80 million deal. Juwan was uh, terrible in his return to Jacksonville, false starts and holding yeah. and everything. But the offensive line did not grade out well last year overall. This year, you subtracted a guy, you added a rookie. I don't know if you're any better than you were last year. Mm-hmm. If not a couple steps worse. So that's not a position that is going to improve at this point in the season. You are what you are. Um, when Cam gets back, I think you saw the ceiling of them last year. How how big of a problem is this going to be? I know it's week two, but uh, do you sound the alarm bells at this point in the season about the offensive line? I mean, can uh, it get better? I think the offensive line can get a little better. I'm not ready to ring the alarm bell yet. There, there, reinforcements are on the way. Today, Cam Robinson officially back in the building. He can't get back out on the field for a couple more weeks but he is in the building. So there's a couple of things that when we talk about the offensive line struggles, which they did struggle, they, I don't know, like Walker Little probably played the best of the bunch and he didn't play perfect. So there, there were problems across the board. Again, we gotta go one by one. Anton Harrison is going to be fine. He's a rookie and we talked about it and people were coming after me in training camp and I was like, eh, rookie hasn't looked that great. He's a rookie offensive tackle. One of the biggest jumps when you talk about going from college to the NFL is offensive linemen. The closer you are to the ball, the faster the game changes. So Anton Harrison is going to struggle. By next year, will he be a, a probably a very solid starter or good NFL player? Yes. Right now, he's going to take those rookie lumps. Veteran tackle, struggle against Chris Jones. No need in the panic. He's going to start these games. He has to take these lumps now so that way he can be better on the back end. Brandon Sheriff's dealing with an ankle injury, a pretty serious ankle injury. So... He didn't play great, but he also there's also a scenario where if the Jaguars have some of the depth they wanted to have, he might have sat that game out because of the injury. So Brandon Sheriff probably going to be fine. He's an Ironman kind of guy who's going to keep playing and play through things, but he is dealing with an injury that is relatively serious. Luke Fortner, same thing, dealing with a lower body injury. He's at the center. He didn't play great, hasn't played great in the first game either. When did he get hurt in the first game? 
we, we never really got clarification on that. That injury to both of those guys is why I'm willing to kind of say, okay, they're not 100%. They need to heal up. It's going to take some time, especially when you're still playing on it. Ankles are a big thing, mm -hmm. I mean, for any position on the field, including offensive line. Ben Barch did not play well either, and he's one of the guys who – he didn't get much training camp. Yeah, he, he missed most of it on the pup list, still recovering from an injury from last season. How prepared was he for the regular season right. to start? Because he didn't come off the pup list until basically the end of training camp. And keep in mind, on the pup list, he can't do a whole lot. That's more rehab than working on his game and getting football ready. And because of the situation, because of the scenario, they needed him to be ready to start. Right. So. That's why I think the offensive line can improve. Like, once Ben Barch kind of slowly gets his way up to speed, he should be able to get better. Walker Little's been fine. I think he's played well. But there's reinforcements coming at left tackle because Cam Robinson's on the way back. What do you do with Walker Little at that point? You probably move him inside, and then that sends Barch to the bench. Does Fortner and Sheriff get healthy? If Fortner and Sheriff are still banged up, do they use Tyler Shatley to mm -hmm. spell one of them? Now you start to get more options because right now those options are pretty thin. Like if right. one of those guys goes down, then you're looking at Blake Hance having to start. And if Blake Hance is starting games, then who's your swing tackle? There, there's a lot of questions. They're thin on depth. Depth on the offensive line isn't a problem until it's a problem. Well, it's a problem now because you got two guys banged up and you have none. So. Ultimately, yes, they can improve. There's reason to believe that by midway point of the season, once Cam's back, once the changes have been made, that they should be at a better point than they are right now. But right now it's a problem. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I thought the, the loss of Josh Wells to injury, he parted ways with the team yeah. with an injury settlement, was big for a depth perspective. He yep. could have been that swing tackle, um, could have been the, the inside guard. I mean, that, that was a big loss just from a depth perspective. In this situation, you have a Brandon Sheriff. I mean, he could possibly sit out if you had a good swing tackle or swing guard, you know, a guard who could get in and fill that spot and, and let Brandon Sheriff heal a little bit. Cooper Hodges, another guy who the Jaguars loved. He made the roster um, as a seventh-round pick. He was injured um, during week two of the preseason. So, again, you've got these depth issues where the offensive line was not highly rated last year. Mm -hmm. It graded out at 24, 25, 26. Uh, PFF and you lost Juwan Taylor, yep. you added a rookie in there. So just by those metrics, you're going to probably take a couple steps back in that mix. And now you're dealing with guys who are banged up and injured. Right. Um, you got two of your starters are not healthy. I mean, an ankle injury is tough for anybody, but can you imagine a, a, an offensive lineman who has to use that, I mean, the ankles and knees on, on every play, Flushing, you know, to plant and to, to move and stuff. So you're, you're dealing with two guys, ankle injuries notoriously, just like hamstrings, very nagging injuries that can hang, hang up for a while. Yep. And, again, you're, you're asking these guys on an offensive line that wasn't the best last year, you know, to play through injuries, play through pain, and there's not a lot behind them depth-wise, at least until Cam Robinson gets back. That opens up some creativity and some options on that line but through two weeks of the season, I, I would, I mean, almost unequivocally say the offensive line has been a disappointment um, so yeah. far. Yeah, the offensive line's a problem right now. That's the biggest problem on the offense. Yep. I know a lot of people are pointing the finger at Press Taylor. Look, at the end of the day, I understand the Press Taylor news. I feel like if the Press Taylor news came out at the beginning of the preseason, nobody would be concerned right now. But it comes out like an, a couple hours before the first game of the season, the Jaguars' offense looks eh. 
out there and then it's fresh in your head and you go with it. Keep in mind, again, I keep trying to like hammer this home. He was calling plays in all of those second half comebacks last year where everybody was like, oh, the offense looks so much better in the second half. They're a second half team. That was Press. Mm -hmm. Press was calling those plays. So we can't act like, oh, all of a sudden Doug needs to take back the reins and that's going to be the magic fix for everything. Because realistically, last year, the offense was better in the second half, especially in the late parts of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, that's, it, and that's the easy culprit right now. I think there's, there's rust. You're going into a new season, new faces and stuff. So, again, I think there's a learning curve. I, I thought that week one Colts game was a little bit more rust than, than anything. They picked things up in the second half. They won that game. Didn't look great, but, I mean, had a, a, a game that was probably comparable to some of the games they played last year. They had a great second half comeback. I mean, Press Taylor was calling plays in halves, second halves of those games, where they made those yep. exceptional comebacks. So, you know, the press can call the plays. It just, for whatever reason, it's been a disjointed start for the offense. I think the offensive line has a lot to do with that. Yes. Um, the growing pains with that. The running game has just not gotten started. Another kind of a lull of a game yesterday. You just didn't have that success. Um, Tank Bigsby has fallen out of the equation at this point. Um, probably from the, the week one issues, but I don't think you've got a lot of confidence in that offensive line at this point in the season to be able to, to give Travis Etienne the ball and have him get a 120-yard game in. Yeah. Um, I, think it, I think it's a combination of rust, injuries, inexperience, and you know you play two de good defensive lines in those games. I mean, DeForest Buckner's an excellent player for the Colts. Sure. I mean, Chris Jones, even with three days of practice, you see what kind of player he is. Mm -hmm. But it's been disappointing that this offense, which had 31 in the opener, could not do anything more than three field goals against the Chiefs. The Chiefs were there for the taking yesterday. It is unbelievable yeah. Yeah. that the defense played such a good game. I mean, such a good game from start to finish. I know they gave up a few big plays. Patrick Mahomes passed for 301 yards. But 17 points. You hold the Chiefs to 17 points. Had you told me going into that game, yeah. Jackson was going to hold the Chiefs to 17 points, force three turnovers, I would have told you, they win this game by two touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, that defense performance was totally wasted on Sunday, and I think that's the most disappointing thing when your offense, you're at the one-yard line, three feet to go, and you cannot. Yeah. You don't even do a running play. You don't, you don't do that, and you have to settle for a field goal. That is just unacceptable, yeah. unacceptable to me. I mean, defense played the game of the season already, arguably, and – They've had two great weeks in a row. You gave up 14 to the Colts. Mm. You know, that the other touchdown was a, um, a scoop and score. You have played two exceptional weeks as a defense. Mike Caldwell's defense has been unreal, yeah. and you're 1-1. One one. You should be 2-0. Oh. They, look, they've done everything they could have done. The defense has. Yep. I mean, they created, they've created takeaways. Mike Caldwell has called two fantastic yep. games to start the year. Um so, look, ultimately the defense is doing what they need to do. I mean, they did everything but score the ball themselves. Uh, the offense just had to be better. And the expectation is that they should be better. I and, mean, look, I, I can't think of a game off the top of my head. I haven't done any research, so don't go stat check me here. But I can't think of a game where you end up losing by one score, but you had three catches in the back of the end zone. And keep in mind, the guy caught the ball but just couldn't get that second foot down. Zay Jones had two shots at it. And we've seen Zay make those plays, that toe tap, that mm -hmm. toe drag, and you're like, oh, is it in? I mean, he Calvin made, had two. So there's four of them. So four of them. I, I can't think of a game with that many where yeah. it was just that margin of error, just that much. Um, that was the difference in between, you know, a whole different ball game. I mean, if those guys get that foot in, 
We're talking about the Jaguars winning that yeah, game absolutely. And, and, and cruising to a victory. Um, so it, that just goes to show sometimes the margin of error in the NFL is very small. In college, that's a touchdown catch because mm -hmm. they all got one foot in. They just couldn't get the second foot to drag that could get that toe down to get the catch. And I, I can't think of another game with that many opportunities that would have truly made the difference in a yep. game. So that's four opportunities right there. I mean, Calvin uh, had the play and he caromed into the, the goal post, um, the padding on the goal post. He had another play at the end of the game. Jackson, mm -hmm. the last drive, were pushed out of bounds. They had two of them. I mean, if one of those catches goes in, you're talking about a completely different ball game. And those plays have gone Jacksonville's way in the past numerous times. Yeah. We saw it last year, Zay Jones against, I believe, the Ravens. Yeah. Um, I mean, so many times those have gone for Jacksonville. Yesterday just was not yeah, Jacksonville's not day. Good. And it's so disappointing because that could have been a statement game, a chance to sink Chiefs to 0-2, to yeah. prove you've arrived, you've narrowed that gap. And it comes to pass that your defense couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes last year in two games. Mm -hmm. And this year they stop him. And what, what have you, the offense responds with three field goals, and you can't score from the one-yard line. I mean, just a, an unacceptable performance. Calvin Ridley did not have a good game. Um, there were drops. There were inability to run the ball. You've got to put something offensively together, and I think it starts with the offensive line. I think you've got to find a remedy for that, find something that works. I don't necessarily know that it's Press Taylor's play calling because, again, there's a body of work for the entire second half last year when they had an unbelievable second half run mm -hmm. and Press Taylor's calling these games where they came back and had unbelievable finishes. So I don't think that's a problem. I mean, is Press Taylor calling the first half of games this year so big, um, so big of a change? No, I don't think that's the call. I think Press is gonna get that, the blame for a lot of that because the yes. offense has struggled. Yes. But again, I think, it's, I think it's a combination of Russ, not having the talent on that offensive line and um, maybe losing a little bit of confidence in that scheme. There's a number of different things. I mean, the one positive you can take from this is the Jaguars have a kicker. That's I mean, true. Look, they, they trot Brandon McManus out there, and without a doubt, he drills it right through, no question marks. I mean, look, we liked Riley. Riley hit, hit the game winner against the Chargers, but you were a whole lot less sure when Riley trotted out there if right. that thing was going through the uprights. McManus, he kicks in, there's never a doubt. It's just whew, going straight through there. And some, I mean, some people were trying to make something of him missing some kicks during training camp. On the practice field, it, it don't matter if you don't miss them in the game. Yeah, right? a 22-yard so, field goal, not a difficult one to hit, though. Hey, look, but, but he hit three of them. That's and true. And that's without a doubt, you know what I mean? So, look, it, we've seen kickers miss those in the league. So, at the very least, that that is a positive that you can take from the game. And the defense is, defense is unbelievable positive. So, you can, you, it's almost like the first week of the game. I mean, the Colts, nothing, you know, all three phases of the game were not working against the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. All three phases of the game were not working against the Colts. So you can put those together, and this was kind of time and again last year, if Jacksonville can play four quarters, that was, that's been the book on Jacksonville. Can you play four quarters of football? And a lot of times we don't see four quarters of football. So <laughs> you've seen, I think you've seen some good special teams this year. I think you've seen some excellent defense. Now the offense just needs to kind of come along and get up to base. I think it will. Um, I think it's a good group, but I think you've got to solve that offensive line problem with whatever metric you can. You know, if we're still here in week five and we're talking about the issues that we've seen early on with Cam Robinson back there, assuming Walker Little's healthy still and Anton and uh, Brandon Sheriff, those guys remain healthy and you add that. I think that's a huge that's a huge boost. So I think week five, if we're still talking about the offensive line being a, a big problem, the season is going to uh, to have some significant problems. Well, I look, I, I do think that there, like I said earlier, I think there's a chance that the offensive line 
can improve. I think health is going to play a role. I think availability is going to play a role. Keep in mind, Cooper Hodges is on short-term IR as well, so that's more depth along the offensive line. Even if he is a rookie, he's one that is highly thought of around that building. Um, so look, there, there are things that are coming. So there's reinforcements on the way. So there's reason to believe that it can get better. But like, what is better? You know, like, do I ever think they're going to be a dominant off? Like, I just don't no. see this group as a dominant offensive line group. Um, I just, I, you know, ultimately, this may be Brandon Sheriff's last year here in Jacksonville. It, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, look, so there's going to be changes more than likely on the way for next year around this offensive line group. Cam Robinson probably not here next year either. So. Do I think this group this year can be dominant? No. I just don't think they are. I don't think that's who they are. Can they improve and be serviceable? I think they're a functional unit. I yeah, think they, they can get there. I, but I think their their ceiling is probably where it was last year in the PFF focus. I think you're in that 22, 23, 24, 25 range. I think that is the absolute ceiling for Jacksonville's offensive line this year. When you've got all the guys and all the parts at their full strength, full health, I think in that 20, you know, that early 20s to mid-20 range is the ceiling. And that's the thing. So we're talking about an offensive line group that if they peak, is a middle-of-the-road group at the peak. At so, the peak. So the more realistic mark, like if you say, all right, the peak is you're like 50% of the NFL. So more realistic is you're a bottom fourth mm-hmm. group in the league. Right now they're playing like a like way bottom. Way, they're playing bad. So if they it, that would still be an improvement. So I, I need to kind of like say, like, well, I think they can get better. I don't expect them to be dominant up here. Don't, I'm not even sure they're going to get to that middle of the road mark. That's going to be a tough spot to hit. What has to change is Doug Peterson, Press Taylor, the offensive coaches, Trevor Lawrence, they're going to have to accept what they got. Mm-hmm. And part of that is, all right, well, the play calling has to tweak just a little bit. And then part of our expectation is on fourth and one, when we're like, why aren't they running it up the middle? And they're doing a pitch and things like that because they don't trust the offensive line. Like that, that's the thing that I think people don't always take from that is that is everybody's like, well, why aren't they like we've said it like, oh, we should have handed it off the tank on the one yard line. Oh, they should have done this. They should have done a quarterback sneak here. They don't trust the offensive line. That's what that play call tells me is that ah, you don't trust your guys to get the push they need. You don't trust your guys to not get blown off the ball when you especially like one time a one off. You you don't you don't put anything to it. Don't think any, don't think twice. It's a one off. Yeah. He could have seen something. They could have audible at the line. That's a one off. But when they consistently do it, and keep in mind they've consistently done this dating back to last season. Remember that cute play against the Chargers that we all love <laughs> when they 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 put the three backs in the backfield and all that. That was cute. That that was I don't trust my offensive line to get me one yard. They don't trust the offensive line to get the push they need inside. It's plain and simple. The coaching staff has told us that. Doug has he's shown us that with his actions. So you, you have to accept that. So now they have to accept that. Now the question is, Trevor is at his best when he has a clean pocket and can be back there and cook. Mm-hmm. We can, we've seen him make some dynamic throws on the run and when he's rushed. Now he's going to have to do it more consistently. Yeah. That's, if you can get the push, and we thought Tank Bigsby was the answer to that, but again, you're not – it's just not happened so far. Well, they the tried. So, like, this offseason, we looked at it, and they, they legitimately tried. I mean, they've used a first-round pick on Anton Harrison, offensive lineman. So, you go get that. You go get a big run-blocking tight end, Brenton Strange, 
all right, so we're, we're committing, re they're committing resources to doing this. Then you go get you a running back that's a short yardage guy and Tank Bigsby, committing resources, but you can't fix the overall problem when you didn't necessarily either commit enough resources or commit resources in the right spots. Right, it's it's a Band-Aid on a- it's, That's uh, it. In a, on a surger, surgical one, you, you're not gonna, you're not gonna to fix the initial problem so you go in and you do surgery on that. That's, that's through draft, that's through trading, free agency, something you've got to address, bolster the line. You mentioned Cam Robinson, uh, probably not gonna be here in 2024. Brandon Sheriff, probably a cap guy, also in 2024. And that's why you draft and developed Anton Harrison's. But again, offensive line, we knew going into this season that it was going to be an issue, even at full strength. It was not that upgraded of a line from last year where it was a, right. just a, a bottom third of the league in statistical rankings offensive line. You did not improve that much. You mm -hmm. hoped with some of the depth and the combinations you could throw at the offensive line and it just is not there. And then you, you add Cam Robinson's suspension, the injury to Cooper Hodges. You got two starters on the offensive line battle and ankle injuries in week two. So you had all the, almost like the perfect storm of things happen yeah. and already subtracted, you know, Cam Robinson and Jawan Taylor from the mix. You are just trying to, to go as you may. And I'm sure Phil Rauscher is going to try to make some changes and adjust things. And you hope that the line stays healthy. And when Cam Robinson gets there, that addresses some of the issues. But I'm not overly confident that this is an issue. The offensive line is going to be addressed in its entirety until the offseason. I don't think you can. It, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. This is going to be part of the journey this season. Look, ultimately, when I did the schedule stuff, I never picked the, Chief, the Jaguars to win that game until last week. <laughs> so when I did my so, – so the Jaguars are still on schedule to win the AFC South via the playoffs. Like, don't don't get it twisted. I picked them to win last week just because I kind of felt good going into the game of where the Chiefs were. But in, like, the preseason when we did all those scheduled mock-ups and people were like, oh, you know, I marked the Chiefs game as a L every time. Yeah. So this is still could be a double-digit win team. Like, no, that's why I'm saying don't hit the panic button. Bad offensive line team. We – we, Joe Burrow went all the way to the Super Bowl with a terrible offensive line. Yes, he did. Awful. He did. He I mean, did. there were literally memes about, do you want a guy that can block or a guy that can catch? And, they, and, the, and the Bengals were picking every guy that could catch instead of giving this dude an offensive line. So, look, I, don't get me wrong. The Bengals doubled back and have tried to improve their offensive line along yep. the way. But it is survivable. You just have to – they have to lean into it. Trevor is going to have to lean into understanding that he doesn't have a lot of time. And the play calling also has to lean into that. The receivers need to lean into that, knowing that I gotta get, I gotta yep. get there, I gotta get there in a hurry, and the ball may be in the air a little bit sooner than what, you know. They have to get there, and they have to do that, and then be willing to go make those plays. And the Jaguars have the talent to go do it. I mean, Calvin really made an incredible catch. I, I don't care if Zay didn't get both feet down. Those were two great catches with a defender draped all over him. He was, you know, again, inches away from, from touchdown catches. Um, Christian Kirk made a, a fantastic catch. I mean, that deep pass, he, he was able to stop and get it, but that was underthrown. I mean, it wasn't a good throw. That should have been a touchdown probably on his own. Yeah, Christian but Kirk had a good game. He, he had a good Very game. Very good game. So they have the talent. I mean, and we didn't even mention Evan Ingram. They have the talent to get it done and make those plays. So they just have to adjust some things and accept the reality of something that they probably didn't want to accept yeah, and, that's, and adjust. That's, I, I think you do that. You do that with injuries and stuff all yes. the time. But you know, going into the season, I think the, the two areas that we were you know, a lot of people were in agreement on was a pass rusher, the need for a, a bona fide pass rusher, 
and the offensive line. And again, we had uh, we saw some good performances in week one from the pass rush. Mm-hmm. Not not a ton against the Chiefs, um, but again the. The pass rush, you can almost. Did you just say not a ton of pass rush against the Chiefs? Not, in terms they of were sacks. harassing the dude. In terms, like of, half, in terms of sacks. They, you're right. They didn't get in the sack. Caleb on Chase on guys. He did have his hat. I had to Kayla check the roster. I'm like, did they issue that jersey to somebody else? Because I know that's not Caleb on. So, but just in terms of the sacks, <laughs> yes. it, you know, it, Mahomes deceptive in a sense for the sacks with him. They did. Yeah, you, you, know, you make him uncomfortable. What he said, he's such a good improvisational quarterback. I mean, the stuff he does. He threw the, play, the ball to an offensive lineman twice, <laughs> like to avoid a sack. That's why. That's why I had to stop the. You know, we had to stop it. He threw he, the ball to Donovan Smith, and they still hit it. Andre Cisco took the big boy down the first time. He threw the ball to an offensive lineman twice. That's so, how harassed he was. Like. Patrick Mahomes is normally like the duck on the water. Like everything's breaking down around him, and he's just cruising along with a little feet under the water, going 100 miles an hour. But they had him harassed, rattled to the point he threw the ball to Donovan Smith not once, but twice. <laughs> I think Josh Allen going out with an injury hurt uh, the pass rush. Yes, um, yeah. that was that was a significant injury. But again, Patrick Mahomes, you try and make him uncomfortable. There was not the pass rush on Mahomes as there was on Trevor. Obviously, I think that was two different uh, two different things yesterday. But you, you did enough to beat Patrick Mahomes. Um, but I thought the the pass rush was better in Week One against Anthony Richardson, just to learn the nuances of the game. Um, and Mahomes again, they did enough to beat. I mean, uh, Mahomes. I mean, some of the best throws he had yesterday was under pressure, where he bought just enough time. I mean, the throw to Sky Moore was the de- unbelievable. The defensive game plan for both sides was good. Look, uh, Trevor's good with his legs, but he's not Patrick Mahomes outside the pocket. So the Jaguars were trying to do a lot of, let's make sure that Mahomes doesn't get outside the pocket and then hope that the interior breaks it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trayvon and Josh did an exceptional job with that. They Andre harassed Cisco, him, kept Devin him under pressure, brought, sent some pressure. Uh, the coverage in the secondary, Rayshon Dinkins did a great job. Darius Williams. Travis, I mean, there were so many good um, performances by the defense. I don't, so many. I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to put Darius out there right now. I don't. <laughs> I don't. Um, forced a fumble. He forced a fumble. He also <laughs> fell against Sky Moore that literally, I mean, the last drive of the game, that deep pass, did you see that yes. he fell on those? Yeah. yeah. So that slip and fall, and I'm not knocking the guy for slipping and falling, but he did slip and fall. And that's what gave up the big play that ultimately iced the game. I mean, if they could have got the field, got him off the field there, you give Trevor one more shot. There was a chance, but he slipped and fell. So I, I'm not willing to give him a game ball when he <laughs> slipped and fell on a crucial disappointment point. scale. Like, what, are, what are you on the disappointment scale today, one to ten? On, on a one to scale, of one, one to ten. 10? Look, this is, I, is ten the high or ten, ten like like ten is the ultimate high. One is the, you're not too disappointed. I'm pretty, Ten is I'm the, pretty close to an eight. an eight. Okay, I was going to say a seven. I'm pretty close to an eight. I was Look, say I've, a seven. I've been here since 2019. Uh, so we've covered a lot of losses. A lot of losses. Way too many. I've gone to the locker room after every home loss since I've been here. That is the most angry locker room I've seen. And it's not close. And, that, and that, that's including after the playoff loss. That was the most angry locker room I've seen. That's interesting because again, I thought I think Jacksonville figured it's ready to take that next step. You've got to you've got to beat the you know the the Rick Flair. You got to beat the man. You got to beat the you man. Want to be the, the Chiefs, man. You got to beat the man. The Chiefs yeah. are the man, yeah. and you were you know the play the regular season game last year. You weren't yeah. close. You lose by ten. Playoff game last year was a different level of disappointment because you were yeah. there. You were in that game. Jamal Agnew fumble. That was a you know, backbreaker. But again, you're twenty seven twenty on the road. Gimpy Mahomes in the playoffs, but yesterday was a game where you said, okay, the gap has narrowed. The yes. gap has narrowed. 
we're ready to stand and slug, you know, slug with these guys and show we can win. The Chiefs are reeling. Your two, two of your three best players are coming back in their first game in quite some time with Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. Everything was right for the taking. You hold them to 17 points and then lay an egg. So I think that disappointment factor is, is elevated for a game like that because that's a stage, that's a proving point game. You had the chance to prove it and your offense goes out and lays an egg. Well, it's it's almost like a couple of the games last season where we kind of came back and said, look, they had a shot. They had a, what, what is it, 21-point, almost 21-point lead on the Eagles last year, mm -hmm. blew it. Um, against the Chiefs the first time, they could have had a touchdown, dropped it. I mean, there were missed opportunities. That's the same thing. But mm -hmm. these missed opportunities were that much closer. Again, back to those touchdowns, almost. I mean, I thought Andre Sisco had a pick six yeah. early in the game, and he just dropped it. And... You know, those are the missed opportunities that can change the game. They know that they had that game, and I just missed it yeah. by that much. And the Chiefs kind of escaped with one. And I think that's why that hit them a little bit harder. That was the most upset I've seen that group is because they felt like the plays right. were there. Even though they didn't play great, the plays were there, the opportunities were there, and they just couldn't, they just came up that that off on them. You hold Patrick Mahomes to 17 points. How often is that going to happen for any NFL team? It just doesn't happen. It's not an every week occurrence to hold Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to 17 points in right. a game, and you really feel like it got away from you. Who cares if that was on the at home or on the road? I mean, you could have played that a neutral site, and you'd still feel that same way because you don't get those opportunities. I mean, this would have been not a kill shot on Patrick Mahomes, but, you know, you put the Chiefs in uncharted territory, you're 0-2 yeah. at that point. Patrick Mahomes has never been two games under 500 in his Chiefs career. So, right. I mean, that that's a shot where it says, hey, we're, we're guys in the AFC now. Mm -hmm. You have to pay me some attention, not the other way around. We've already beaten you. We'll see you again in the playoffs. But that was a statement game, just like that Patriots game in 2018, mm -hmm. um, where you had a chance to come out and knock the champion down, put him on the canvas, and you let one out of the bag. But on to the Texans. That's yeah, on to the Texans. We'll be talking about the Texans a little bit later in the week uh, as we kind of move through. We'll have another podcast coming your way then. We just want to get this one out to talk about what's a tough loss on a on a non-victory Monday, a non-whatever you want to call it, a loss Monday. I don't know. But, yeah, we want to, wanted to kind of reflect on that game. Hey, we'll have another podcast coming your way a little bit later on in the week as we get ready for another AFC South game. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next time.